So I'm just going to introduce myself. My name is Jo Perdue. I'm a professional officer here at the association. So, um, and I'm also a registered nurse. So my role here is um, looking after professional issues, um, dealing with things in regards to professional practice, I suppose is the easiest way to um, describe those type of things. Also, um, organise the education for here. So this was why I was asked to present this presentation because this is part of our presentation and education we do with clinical communication and documentation. Um, and assertive communication I think is something as nurses and midwives that we really need to um, have a better understanding of because I feel that we often are when we have a look at and break this down are probably more in the passive side of communicators and we tend to say yes more times than we should say yes. So this is about giving you the skills and some resources to have a think about how you can be more assertive in your own um, communication, both at home and in the workplace, I think. Um, because it can make a difference in regards to when you're put in positions that you aren't comfortable with, you know, and I think in our workplace that happens more often than not. So um, I think this is really important. And we'll have a bit of a Q&A session at the, the end of it. Um, there is some handouts for you that have um, the ability for you to workshop a little bit when you go home. There's a questionnaire for you to fill out to have a look at what type of person you are in the sense of are you assertive, are you aggressive or are you a um, passive communicator, which is very interesting. So that's the three styles of communication we generally have is passive, assertive or aggressive and we want to actually learn to be more assertive. I think generally um, being an assertive communicator doesn't come naturally to us when we're put in um, um, in certain situations. We can flip between them, okay? So I suppose when you think about the way that you communicate with your family and your friends, you probably can be more assertive in those situations, you know? Who has children? You're always quite, you know, as a mother, you can be assertive, can't you? Maybe on the borderline of aggressive sometimes, but you know, <laughs> we try not to. Same, same goes with the, maybe the partner or the husband, you know? Um, I know I can be quite a, quite assertive and probably a little bit bossy and aggressive on, on those times. But you know, when, you, when you're talking to your colleagues or in the workplace, having to talk to management or talk, talk to somebody in that hierarchy, you can sometimes fall back down to the more passive side because, you know, it's, a, it's that protection mode of what we do to protect ourselves sometimes. So what is aggressive communication and what does it do? So um, aggressive communication um, is usually uh, something that comes across as it's you've got to win, you know. It's the person, it's their way or no way type of um, way of communicating. They always argue, they always disagree, they always have excuses, they always blame somebody else. That type of um, communication is based on aggressive. And it's, it's saying that, you know, in that type of communication, um, you don't build solid friendships because it's not a mutual, uh, you know, understanding. It's not trying to get out and share opinions. It's like yours is it and that's it. Passive leads to feeling of being misunderstood. Um, misheard, but I think passive is 
usually a type of communication where you just want to keep everybody happy. So you agree to everything. And I think as nurses and midwives, we tend to be, because we're a caring type of person, we just want to make sure that everything's okay, you know. I, I, I use the example of, you know, we'll do the extra overtime, we'll, you know, we'll work with the conditions that we work under, you know, short-staffed or the wrong staffing is the way I see it, is because we feel an obligation of, to our patients, to the people that we work with, so we agree to these things, even though we may not feel comfortable about them. And I know I've fallen into that position myself, um, until I realised that, you know, does that truly benefit? Probably not, because then that expectation's there all the time as well. So I think it's about empowering ourselves, assertive communication is about is empowering ourselves in the ability to stand up for providing and doing the things that we want to do the way that needs to be done because we got into the profession about, you know, and that's the same with workplace behaviours and cultures, okay, because this is what is also impacts around communication. You know, what we accept and what we don't accept. We don't want to be enablers anymore, is what I call it. It's about saying, no, well, actually, that's, I don't appreciate being spoke to. I, you know, I agree we need to have a discussion, but it needs to be respectful as well. So it's giving you those tools in those circumstances. But it's also when you're dealing with the people that you look after, they need to respect you and communicate with you as well in, a, in an appropriate manner. So it's actually being able to be assertive when, when you have somebody that isn't being so nice um, and maybe coming across as aggressive because assertive communication is one of the best tools for de-escalation. Because it's not, it's not being aggressive back or doing those type of things, it's actually acknowledging the person is upset and saying, I'm going to do something about this, but I need you to understand I'm respecting you, you've still got to respect me. <clears throat> so, like I've said, assertive communication is a way of communicating your feelings through beliefs in an open, honest manner without violating rights of the others. So, it, the basis of that communication is respect, okay, honesty, being honest to yourself. So, you know, if you, if you have felt intimidated or you have felt threatened or you have felt uncomfortable about it, you need to be honest with that emotion, but not picking up other people's emotion. The basis of assertive communication is actually not taking on anybody else's emotion. Because you, the only true person you can actually control and how you react to something is yourself, isn't it? You can't, you can't physically control other people's reaction. So it's about this type of communication and this type of process is actually being able to um, control yourself. And I think it leads on very well to the next session as well about you know, um, mindfulness and not picking up those things. So it's about sort of having better respect for yourself. So it's like the above, if any, anybody heard about above and below the line behaviour? So below the hind behaviour is that blaming, always someone else's fault, you know, um, you know, and above the line is taking accountability, responsibility and accepting, you know, um, for your own actions. Not, it's not anybody else's, it's your choice, you've made the choice, it's your, you're responsible for it. 
Assertive communication um, is, the, like I've said, is the aim of gaining the benefits of the both worlds. So it's accepting that people can have difference of opinions and people can communicate differently and you can misunder misunderstand people at times. I always say my, one of my favourite quotes around communication is um, the quote that uh, the biggest breakdown in communication is the assumption that it's actually occurred. So we assume that somebody's understood us or we assume that somebody understands what we're talking about. And that doesn't always happen. And I mean, I'm sure you've been in a situation where you've communicated something and somebody's interpreted it completely different to, what you, in, to the context of what you've said it. And I'm, I'm sure in any, in all of us have had that happen. So I think it's, it's a result of being assertive is making sure it's very clear in what you're actually communicating and what you're doing. And it helps recognise and keep everybody happy in that situation. So the four for beliefs about communication, and by the way, I think we're going to try and upload these slides so that you can have them, um, so you can have all this information as well. Um, your assertive behaviour is great for both parties. So it, it, it creates that ability to show respect by being assertive because you're not being passive and just agreeing. So, you know, a passive person is somebody that continues to apologise even when they've not done anything wrong. And I know I'll put myself in that sometimes. And I, since doing this, I've had to consciously bring myself back sometimes and think, okay, I'm being a little bit over sort of accommodating here. I need to learn how to be more so It's quite funny. I, I had a, a story. I was talking to my girlfriend and I was telling her I was doing this presentation and she, la she laughed at me. She said, you're doing assertive communication because I've often said to her all the time, can you go and say something about this? Because I'm always too frightened to. I'm, I'm very much will run from confrontation a million miles. I find it very difficult and I'm sure there's a lot of you the same. So I'm not saying this is an easy thing to do, but I think it's something that if you're aware of and you understand it, and you learn these techniques, that you can become better at it. And I think we need to become better at it because it will make a better um, place for us in all um, levels of our life. So less stress, let's face it, aggressive communication. You know, who have you had? You know, I'm sure all of us have had a situation where somebody's been talking to us quite aggressively, how that makes you feel. Or even when you've been a passive, like I've said, and you've agreed to things and you like, all you do is you go away and you go, I really didn't want to do that. You know, I really, you know, I feel bad about that. Um, so it's about those, at least assertive communication leaves you feeling more empowered, I think, and gives you more um, feelings of achievement, I suppose, that you've been heard and that you've been understood. It may not always give you the outcome you'd like, but I think it gives you that feeling of empowerment, which I think is what we need to recreate in ourselves, is be empowered of who we are. We, we are respected, we are, you know, um, I think as nurses and midwives, I think it's something to really feel um, very proud of. I'm very proud. I'm, you know, I've, um, Calling myself a nurse is something that has always been very passionate to me. And I just, and I suppose one of my key things is, is to empower other nurses and midwives to know that, you know, we're not one of the trusted professions for no, 
small feet. So give yourselves a pack on, pat on the back and you know, recognise what a unique job and what a special job you do and let's stand up for being able to do those things and part of this is your assertive communication you know, to help us be able to cope with the stresses and all those things that we face every day. I was just thinking about it in my own career of the things that I've experienced in people's lives. You know, I've been there at the end of somebody's life. You know, that's a pretty special moment. Not everybody gets to do that, but it has its impact on us as well. So we need to look after ourselves and stand up for ourselves, you know, and part of that's this communication. So more trust, I think it shows respect then, you know, it gives and it builds respect that you respect the other person in that communication process, but also you require that respect back and it makes a better way of communicating. People will acknowledge you and they will listen to what you have to say much more using this form of communication. I think it provides a more open platform because you're using some of those really important skills of communication. Active listening, you know, showing someone that you're in the moment, that you're listening to them. You know, and not all of us are great. Again, I'll put my hand up. I can be, you know, I can get quite passionate about things sometimes and sometimes when I get really passionate about something and I want to have my say, I just want to have my say. <laughs> But I know that that's one of my things that I need to pull back sometimes and I have to say, no, just listen, just listen and acknowledge what the other person has to say. So these are the things that, you know, help build that trusting relationships with the people that you work with, but even the people in your, in your personal life. More confidence. And I think it does, because if you're someone like myself and you're passive and you do run a mile from conflict, learning to be assertive gives you confidence because it shows that, it, because it, the way you use and the words that you use gives you that confidence in the sense it's very hard for somebody to sort of really attack you, I think, you know, because you've taken it away from them. You've, you're talking about yourself, you know, because we'll talk about I statements and those type of things as well. Um, so it does build, it helps, balance it out a lot more and building more confidence. So the three assertive things for communication is confidence. You believe in your ability to handle a situation. So it does, you know, help support your values and beliefs, I think, is the biggest thing too. You know, because if you want to speak up about something, it's generally because you truly believe that it needs to be spoken up about, isn't it? Um, clear. It makes the message very clear, you know. Um, it's about your feelings, you know, or your concerns and those type of things. It's controlled. It's delivered, it delivers the information in a calm and a respectful manner. If you maintain that um, calmness, it's amazing how it creates a transformation in conversations as well. And we'll talk about that in a few um, further slides along. Saying no, this is the biggest one, I think is the hardest one for us as nurses and midwives, is actually saying no. Um, we feel we have an obligation, like I said before, to do those extra things, to go the extra mile. We will often, you know, do what the doctor tells us. We will, you know, we need to speak up for when we feel something's not right. Um, you know, uh, 
you've got somebody that's having a bad day and speaks to you in a bad way. It's like, oh, and we'll make excuses. How many people have been in a workplace and um, somebody will say, oh, don't worry, that person's always like that, just ignore it? Pretty much all of us, haven't we? So what have we done straight away by saying that? We've enabled that behaviour to be accepted. Whereas sometimes I always say in these circumstances is that sometimes these people don't even know that they have that effect. Some do, I admit, but um, I always say it's the, the accidental bully is what we call them, is that due to workplace pressures and everything else that they come across as being quite aggressive. And until somebody be assertive enough to speak to them and actually bring it to their attention, that behaviour is never going to change. But as soon as you bring that to their attention, it can make the biggest of difference. You know, um, and it can make that person be much more aware of the way that they speak to people. Um, you know, so it's those type of things that, you know, no, we can't accept that. You know, I always say one of the biggest things you ask yourself, do you like coming to work and would you suggest to your colleagues to come and work there? If you say no, is it because of the, the behaviour that's accepted there? You are the only one that can change that process and part of being assertive is making sure that that behaviour is not accepted. So, you know, collectively, if you stand up and say, no, we're not going to accept that type of behaviour, then that is what's going to change it. If it's not what you, what you would like or suggest somebody to come to work for, then you've got to think about why. Why is it? Is it because things have been accepted? Have we not said no? We just, or if we just fly under the radar and don't say anything, nothing will happen. So I always say this comes under your code of ethics. It takes moral courage to stand up for what, not, what is not right. Okay, so this comes under our professional standards under ethics in saying, if we know and we feel that it's not right, then we have an obligation to stand up and say no. So this is where it takes about being empowered and learning to have these type of communication processes. Whoops. The tone, watch your tone. I think this is really important, is that, you know, you had, I suppose, thinking about maybe when um, somebody's been given a, a critique or a criticism, what's the first thing most people will do? Get defensive. I didn't do this, you know, I'm, you know. It's human instinct to become defensive. So if you're talking to somebody and you're raising a concern about something, they're instinctively going to get defensive. I always say, let them have their vent. Don't pick it up. As I say, don't pick up the rope. What do I mean by that? You can't have a tug of war unless both people pick up the rope. If only one person is getting upset, and don't take on board that emotional. Let them have their say and, say, and acknowledge it. Be respectful and acknowledge it and say, would you like me to come back and talk to you at another time when you're more... And the thing is, keeping your calm tone and keeping that ability to speak in a tone that is not challenging can change a conversation very, very quickly. And I've experienced it myself many times where I've had somebody getting quite aggressive towards me and I've just kept my tone and said, completely understand, and, and, and the conversation's done a complete flip. 
So it's amazing what your tone does in that communication. And, and that's part of being assertive, is maintaining control of your own emotions, not picking up the emotions of the person that you're having the conversation with. So I said, the only true person you can control is yourself. So do you let it affect you or do you react to it? Because in the end, you can only control that reaction. It's, it's, a, it's a bit like a choice in a sense, but it's not an easy choice because it's usually instinctively that reaction. So it's learning how to control it. Oops. <laughs> And I'm not even facing the machine, it still does it. Um, being assertive is about um, also working towards coming up with a solution, you know, to overcome things. You know, it, it's about recognising that everybody's got a contra contributing factor in that conversation so that you can, you know, I often say part of that is being an active listener is to actively listening to what other people's ideas are and other people's opinions because it can sometimes make your opinion a little bit clearer or it may make it the ability to come up with a solution much better as well. Whereas people are fighting and you think about it when you're ever, I'm sure we've all had an argument with somebody at some point in our life, is that do you really hear what was said? You may only hear the really bad bits and hang on to them. And, you, you know, you're always sort of blaming and do all those type of things. What does it achieve? Does anybody really ever win an argument? Probably not. You know, whereas if you can sit and have a conversation and keep it respectful and not... And it may not be at that moment. It may mean you have to come back. But... It, if you've not taken it up too, it makes it much more easier to come up with a solution. Um, paying attention to the nonverbal communications. 80% of communication is nonverbal. So I find this really intriguing because I suppose in my role as an educator, I sit here and I can watch all of you. So I can say, okay, I, might, I must be doing okay. Everybody's watching me, nobody's asleep. <laughs> you know? That's taking cues from people's body language is really important in a part of when you're communicating, especially assertive. It's like recognising when someone's upset and saying, okay, there's no point in me having any more of this conversation right now because they're, in, they're at a level that they're not listening, like you said. They're not in the moment. They're only in that defensive moment, that fight moment, you know, fight, flight or freeze, they're in the fight moment. Until they're out of that, it's no point continuing a conversation. It may be, I'll, I'll come back and have another conversation with you. You know, can we talk about this later? Let them have time to digest, think about it maybe. You know, so non-verbal cues are really important as well. If somebody's not engaged or not in the moment, you know, what is it, is it, you know, do you read them and, and work out whether it's worth having the conversation still at that point? You know, or you may have to bring it to their knowledge, you know. Um, so I think it's always really important to maintain um, watching your verbal cues, very much so. Being present. So I've talked about this the whole way through, is you need to be present. You need to not 
be distracted. And I always say, you know, how everybody goes to me about, you know, you've got to be able to multitask. And as nurses and midwives, we're probably fairly good at multitasking, say. But I always say, when my husband always says to me, oh, you can't multitask, I said, no, I don't want to multitask because I want to do whatever I'm doing, one thing at a time, and I want to do it right. And that's pretty right. If you multitask, you're probably not going to do as good a job if your mind is focused on that one present thing at the time. You give it everything, won't you? So the same comes to a conversation. If you're having a conversation, make sure you're there. Who's ever been on the phone with someone and you know they're either watching television or they're doing something else? Because they're really not in that conversation, are they? You know, and I always say, um, that's really important. Don't be multitasking when you're trying to have a conversation. So, you know, especially if it's a, it's a very formal conversation, don't be having papers in front of you that might distract you. Don't have your computer open. Don't have something that's going to distract you. You need to be present and in the moment and having that conversation. I think that's really important. And that's part of mindfulness is saying, you know, being present and, not, and thinking about, um, not thinking about anything else. You need to be thinking about that and what you're doing. So these are some of the key things why I think we don't communicate, and I'm sure these will resonate with some of us. We think we've already had the conversation, which is what I've said, is that we, you know, the assumption we've, that the conversation has occurred. Don't have time or lack of preparation, so there's never a right time. Difficult conversations, these come in that category sometimes as difficult conversations, so we will avoid them. Oh, it's not the right time today. But when is the right time? <laughs> is there really a right time? You know, you've got to ask yourself that question. Not sure how to approach it. And hopefully that will give you today is having a think about of different ways that you might be able to approach this with using some of these techniques. Too focused on winning the conversation. So the conversation is, it's just, I want, it's my way or the no way. Um, this is a big one that people say all the time, there's no point nothing will change. You know, no point calling out someone's behaviour, no point talking about our work situation, no point because nothing will ever change. But if you don't say anything, do you think it will change? It's never going to change if you don't say it, is it? And that's what I said, it's about the only way we can create change is if we continue to voice it. And who's got the strongest voice is ourselves, you know? So we have to voice it, don't we? Um, we cannot be enablers anymore. We can't be the passive profession of the health services because I think nurses and midwives, we will just make sure that it's all okay. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to upset the apple cart. We don't, you know, it takes a lot to sometimes push us to stay stuff. But I think we need to start being more, um, assertive in, in being able to do the job that we want to do. Um, it's not my problem. Like I said, the one, you know, let's just fly under the radar and not let anybody else, you know, if I don't say anything, I won't be targeted. <laughs> you know, but now under your code of conduct too, you have a responsibility to speak up. You can't just be a bystander if there's inappropriate behaviour or things aren't right. You actually have an obligation professionally. That's what I'm saying. Be empowered about being able to call yourself a professional. You can't call yourself a nurse and midwife unless you're registered. 
That's a pretty special thing to be able to do. So we need to do it justice and stand up for what we know is right. It might ruin the relationship further. It's not going to make it better if you don't say anything, is it? <laughs> you know? And like I said, you can only take on board what, you know, the emotional stuff in regards to yourself. You don't need to not take on anybody else's. Um, it's too confrontational, confrontational, avoiding the conversation. I think that's a big one. I know that's mine. It's like, no, nah, that's too scary. It's hard. <laughs> so prepare yourself sometimes and go, no, nah, I can do this. Self-talk. Motivate yourself, empower yourself to say, actually, you know, I'm better than this. I actually have got this. You know, but it takes practice. It's not something that comes easy. So don't be hard on yourself too when you are in that position. It's against our natural response, flight or fight. And it is sometimes against us, you know. It's that self-protection. We don't want to put ourselves in that position that can make it uncomfortable. You know, none of us like it. So that was, I'd like you to do the exercise when you go home. You don't have to do it today because we're not going to have time. Um, but I just want to talk to you about iMessages. Anybody used iMessages or iStatements? Very powerful, I think. But it's not something that comes naturally to you either. So it's something that you have to learn, I think. And I've given you a handout and a sheet to try and help you learn to do I statements. So it's about expressing your feelings and I messages brings it back to being about yourself. So it's not accusing, it's not blaming, it's just saying, I feel this way, you know, it actually does this, you know, which then makes the other person more than likely think about the way that they've behaved or the way that they're um, communicating with you. So it has a real powerful ability to make people sort of think about it. So um, I, I, I believe it's, really, it's a really good tool. It's not easy to, to, to use and implement when you first start to do it. So I say go home and do it on those that you feel the most comfortable with. So your kids, <laughs> good one, you know. Um, and my daughter used to always say to me, because I used to always never say that I was angry at her, I'd just say, you know, it really upsets me, I feel really disappointed. And she said, Mum, that was the worst thing you could have ever said to me, is that you're disappointed. You know, like I'd say I was disappointed in her actions, that it made me feel really upset. And that had, and I never got cross at her, but it had more impact and more power for her to think about her actions in the future, instead of just yelling, you know. And, and I've found, so do it with people that you feel the most comfortable, that you've got the ability when you think about, when you're looking at whether you're an assertive, passive, aggressive type of communicator. And most of the time when I do this exercise, nurses and midwives sit between the passive and, and assertive. We do have assertive communication, but it's probably usually with our loved ones. So that's the one you start, you practice your eye messages with to start with so that you feel more comfortable with. If you're having to have one of those difficult conversations in your workplace and you know it's going to be challenging, is practice it before you go. Have a bit of a thought process and making sure this is what I'm going to say. I'm not going to pick up the rope. I'm not going to take whatever the reaction is, I'm not going to take it on board. It's really important to do. So the first one here is I've got a bit of a scenario. So this is a scenario where 
So when you moved into in two months ago, you noted that checked in form that two windows didn't have screens on them. This is violation of the local um, housing code. When you submitted the check form to the landlord, you mentioned you needed these screens. She said, I'll have, the, um, or, I'll have to order them. Nothing has happened since then. The weather is warming up and you'd like to open your windows, but you don't have screens. So how would you put that into an I statement? So here's an example of how that's put in. When I moved in, I was promised new screens for my windows, especially since um, it's a housing code um, violation. I feel annoyed because I've not been able to open my windows all summer long while um, I worked, I can't read it properly, <laughs> waited for them to be installed. Would you please replace them to update me, uh, replace them or update me on the status of them by Friday. So you've been assertive, you've not been, you're not accusing them of not putting them in, but you're saying you're annoyed because they haven't been. So you've brought it back to about yourself. Yeah, and given them a time limit. So it's not aggressive, but it's not being passive either, but it gets the message across and makes it clear. And I, I think that's, um, one of my favourite tools for communication in the workplace is, I call it the cuss theory, and when you're feeling something's not right, to help raise that those feelings of concern, is um, at CUS. I feel concerned, I'm really uncomfortable that this is actually a safety issue now. Concern and safety in a same sentence, very, very hard to ignore, isn't it? So, but you've kept it to yourself. It's not saying I'm blaming you for this, but I'm actually, this is how I feel currently in the position you've put me in. I'm actually really concerned. I'm actually really quite uncomfortable about it. And I actually feel this is a safety issue to my patients, my residents, my clients, whoever they are, the consumer. Because that makes it really easy to, it makes it very, very hard, but it makes it easy to communicate because you've not accusing anyone, you're not blaming anything, you're saying, this is how I feel. And that makes all the difference. And it's very powerful. So I think that's really important to remember when you're trying to communicate things. It's about your feeling and how that makes you feel. So, um, and I think that's about it. I think we've got about five minutes for Q&A if anybody's got any questions. <laughs> But there's some handouts there and some exercises, and I encourage you to do them, to have a go. I, the, the iMessage one is think of a conversation or a difficult conversation you've had recently and how you worded it or how you spoke of it, and it might be simply as you've asked your kids to pick the wet towels up off the bathroom floor. Um, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be complicated. And use that worksheet to reword how you could possibly have said it. It's a really good tool to try and help you learn how to do those I statements. And it becomes easier the more you try to use them. And like I said, try to use them with the people that you are closest to and you feel more comfortable being that little bit more assertive, which then will build your confidence more so when you're doing it with somebody that you're not gonna feel as confident with. I do have to say keep documentation if you if you're raising concerns it's really important to keep documentation because especially we find professionally um, that that can come back to bite the nurse you know 
in some of the, the cases where we've done things where it's been a coroner's and things like that, and, and the first thing they'll say is, well, who did you tell and what did you do? And, you, you know, documentation is really important, whether that's you know, your IMS system or, your, or, or an email or, you know, I think having... I think that, 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 that saying as if it's not written, it didn't happen, is pretty true. You can, and I always say if you've had a verbal conversation, follow it up with an email. As per our discussion, just wanting to reconfirm my concerns, blah, 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 blah. Oh no, moral courage, moral courage. Takes a lot, doesn't it? As I said, not easy, but yeah. All right, thank you.